Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you for listening, downloading, streaming, liking, (laughs) whatever you do with this podcast, however you do it, wherever you're doing it, thank you for doing it. Good to have everybody listening and on board around the world. Greatly appreciated. Podcast is free. You know that by now. And that is thanks to Podcast One and all the great sponsors that we have. Because of them, the Eddie Trunk Podcast is free and with limited ads at no cost to you. If you heard a sponsor that you want to try out, Don't forget to uh, check that sponsor out. Check out the list, Killer Deals button at podcastone.com. Find the Eddie Trunk podcast page. Just search my name. And you get limited commercials here because we only approve the sponsors that make sense for my audience. You know, when we ask you to fill out those, those polls, that helps us to target the advertising that we do have more specifically to what you guys would be interested in. So check out the banners that are there, the promotional deals listed by the brands, everything you need, easily accessible in one place. That's the Eddie Trunk podcast page at podcastone.com. Also, don't forget, we also participate in the Amazon Associates program. That's an affiliate advertising program designed to provide you with the means for me to earn extra fees by linking to Amazon.com and affiliated sites. You can link to Amazon, and we appreciate you doing so through my page at PodcastOne.com. All right, due to popular demand, I am rushing this to the front of the line. My recent interview from about a week and a half ago with Van Halen's original bassist, Michael Anthony. This interview took place when I was in Los Angeles for my volume show, which was last week, actually. I was there for an entire week. I did an entire week of shows live from L.A. on volume. Had some tremendous guests, Corey Taylor, Dave Navarro, Kevin Cronin, and Michael Anthony, and Lars Ulrich. So it was an amazing uh, run of uh, guests, as I usually have when I'm out there in L.A. And much of of my audience, as you would imagine... When they heard of this interview, if they may have missed it, 
They all said the same thing. You got to get the Michael Anthony show on the podcast. And by now, you know that the interviews here on this podcast, most of them originate from my show on volume, which you can hear live Monday to Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM channel 106. And you can also get them on their app, the entire shows each and every day. I'm on Monday to Friday, so please check that out for what you spend at Starbucks each day, less than what you spend at Starbucks each day. You can be getting my show live or on the app or on the replays every single day, six shows a week live on Sirius XM. Appreciate you joining me. I can only bring you a very small portion of the interviews that I do there here on this podcast because, of course, this is a one-time-a-week deal. So be sure to uh, check out the radio show. And this week, like I said, by popular demand, Michael Anthony. Before we get to the Michael Anthony interview, I need to say a huge thank you to the members of Metallica, specifically Lars Ulrich, Kirk Hammett, Robert Trujillo, and also Frank Munoz, who works for Metallica. I took my nine-year-old son to his first metal show this past Sunday, which was Metallica with Avenged Sevenfold and Volbeat in New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. And I didn't know what I was going to be in store for, and obviously I know the Metallica guys, and we have a lot of history, and they're, they're great, great old friends, as well as, of course, in an iconic band. And I, you know, was talking to Lars about coming out to the show and I told him I was bringing my nine-year-old son and he said, man, that's so cool because when I was nine, my dad took me to my first show, which was Deep Purple in Copenhagen. So he really related to the fact that my son was seeing his first show at nine years old and it was a Metallica show, right? So we, uh, we went out there, my wife and my son, and I didn't know how my son was going to handle it. It's such a huge show in a stadium. It's overwhelming. The production is unbelievable. Well, we walked in through the backstage. Lars came out, met my son, took a picture with him, posted it on his Twitter. Lars is now on Twitter, at Lars Ulrich. And he took the photo, wrote something really nice, and posted a photo of me and my son on his Twitter feed. Still there. Check it out. And it was just so over-the-top nice. And then uh, Kirk came over. We hung out with Kirk for a little bit, had a drink, talked. And then the band played. I got to be honest, a couple songs in, my son was a little shaky. <laughs> He had never seen anything quite at that level, thought he was going to want to bail. But after he got used to it, he wouldn't leave. We stayed for the entire show right to the very end and had a blast. They put us in the snake pit right in front of the band, right down front on the floor. And it was, and this show is unbelievable, you guys. And I'm not just saying that because I know these guys and uh, they, they were nice to me. Trust me, it was amazing. It's, it's hard to believe this, but after 34 years, Metallica may still very well or may be at the top of their game right now. It's incredible. It's incredible. Two and a half hours they played, new stuff, old stuff, middle era stuff. Just, just monstrous. I saw some of Avenged. I didn't see Volbeat, got there too late. 
talked to Rob Caggiano, their guitar player, who's a friend, and it was good to see him. And I watched about three Avenged songs, but my son was a little bit still kind of trying to take it in, so we had to go backstage and uh, take cover for a little bit so he could get reacclimated <laughs> to what was going on. And uh, Avenged sounded great. They went over really well. They had their fans there, and that was very cool for them. And then I saw Shadows the next day actually came and did my radio show. But it was uh, it was amazing. And then, you know, there's fireworks at the end, and it, it's a Sunday night, and my son wants to hang out. I mean, he's got school the next day. So we go backstage again, get a text from Lars's assistant, are you still here? I said, yeah, we went backstage. Lars came out again, asked my son what he thought, and my son said uh, he really liked it and that Metallica is now his second favorite band. To which Lars said, well, who's number one? And my son said, Queen. <laughs> and uh, Lars, Lars, of course, as you could imagine, said he could live with that. So it was a really special night. And then Lars proceeds to give my son his drumsticks that he had just ended the show with playing Enter Sandman. And some guitar picks. And then we saw Rob Trujillo at the end. And spoke to him for a little bit. I mean, just really, really, really incredibly gracious and i thank those guys and what an amazing show if you're a metal fan you have to see it it's going to be out there for a while and really 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 great night so i want to thank the metallica camp for their incredible generosity and hospitality to me and my family and and you know finally now at nine years old my son who really hasn't shown no interest in metal may may be starting to nudge that way a little bit so he may have uh, helped the future a little bit as well Uh, I met John McEnroe at the Metallica show when he walked, when Lars walked into the room, McEnroe was with him, said hi. It's amazing to me how many of these people I meet, even a guy like McEnroe. Hey man, I watched you on TV. I knew that metal show. It's so, so cool. It's still amazing how many people talk about that metal show and how many people it still connects with. And again, how many people still ask me about it, which I greatly appreciate it, but I just unfortunately have zero news for you guys. I just don't. We, we cannot at this time, find a home, a network, a believer that will put a rock talk show on. Should that change, you will know immediately. Should anybody hearing the sound of my voice know somebody at a network level that could green light a show and want to do it and gets what we do and appreciates it and sees the value in it, please email me eddie at eddietrunk.com and we will be all ears and I'll put them in touch with the proper people. And also still looking for a home for my pilot, my interview show pilot, and I have a little traction on that lately. So fingers crossed, maybe there will be a way for you guys to see that. If you remember a little while ago, I shot a pilot for a one-on-one interview show in New York with a live audience. Ace Freely was my guest. And I, I may have some traction on that, fingers crossed. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, though, eight broadcasts a week six live on Sirius XM you got the syndicated show on FM radio and you have of course this podcast every week so plenty of content to listen to for sure and I appreciate you guys checking out all the platforms at Eddie Trunk on Instagram Facebook and Twitter and eddietrunk.com is the website apologize for the phone ringing in the background I apologize for the cat That is meowing in the background, (laughs) doing this podcast from my home studio, and I didn't close the door, and that is, of course, what happens. As my cat is now walking across my computer keyboard. (laughs) Oh, man. 
couldn't make it up. All right, so anyway, let's get to this week's guest. It is one of the all-time greats, one of my favorite people in the world to talk to. It is Michael Anthony of Van Halen. Michael was nice enough to drop by the studio. Michael recently had a tragedy in his family when his two-year-old, or I'm sorry, two-week-old grandson passed away to a heart ailment. And in June, Michael is going to be doing a walk to help raise funds for the Children's Hospital in L.A. that took care of him. A great cause. Go to Matt Anthony's Cafe on Facebook, which is Michael's Facebook page, and make a donation if you can. I plan on doing so soon. Michael is a wonderful, wonderful guy. One of my favorite people, one of my favorite people to interview, just a real deal guy. And needless to say, we had a ton of people calling about Van Halen, the prospects of the 40th anniversary of Van Halen, the prospects of a reunion, and so much more. And you will hear it all this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast with Michael Anthony coming your way next on PodcastOne.com and iTunes. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, there's something about True Car that a lot of people don't know. And what's that? Well, that's that using the True Car app can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are even, uh, there's over, I should say, 700, yes, 700,000 pre owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through the True Car certified dealer network. And there's over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. You'll see what other people paid for the car you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the new or used car you want. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This week on All of the Above with Norman Lear, Beep star Julia Louis-Dreyfus sits down with Norman and Paul. Well, you know, there wasn't a script when I was first talking to HBO about it. There wasn't a concept. And my, my agent had said to me, listen, they're developing this thing at HBO about an unhappy vice president, an unhappy female vice president. And I thought to myself, well, I got to get in on this action because mm-hmm. it's gold. And it's so amazing that nobody's done it before. Listen today on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on PodcastOne.com. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, the Eddie Trunk Podcast is back, and my guest this week, one of my favorites, a founding member of Van Halen, bassist Michael Anthony. Michael Anthony, it's great to see you, my friend. Thank you so Good much to see for you coming too. You in. You ask me to come in every time you're here on the West Coast. Yeah. And I tell you, I live down, way down south at the beach, and believe me, to get me to come out of that area and up here is a feat. But I'm Eddie, I'd do it for you, Eddie. I am honored. You're my thank buddy, you. Eddie. I, yeah, likewise, man, I cannot thank you enough for doing that. I know it's a bitch with traffic out here. and So we got lucky, though. You, you got your daughter so you could my use daughter, the carpool t- My daughter, Taylor, graciously... <laughs> 
She she offered you, to be Taylor. my carpool buddy. So yeah, thank you. Don't people put like uh, dummies in the car next? Yeah, to Yeah, I was just going to say. In fact, I think there was a there was a couple of catalog things that I'd seen where you could actually buy one of these inflatable. It looks like some guy wearing a hat and glasses. Yeah, that you can sit on the seat in the car next to you. Yeah, yeah, I you know. Back in the early days, was tra- was traffic always so crazy in L.A.? Even like in the early days of Van Halen, like when you guys would go around at rehearsal or sort of get together in the earliest days, was it the madness that it is now trying to get around? Well, there was or has it gotten worse. There was still a bit of madness, but you could always there was always a, a window in the morning or the afternoon or a couple windows in the morning or afternoon that you knew that you could drive the freeways, you know, the major freeways, and be able to get to where you're going yeah. and know how long it would take. Now it's kind of like. Anyone's guess. You just kind of throw it up in the air. You know, it's like it could take where, where I was coming from. It could take me an hour to get here. It could take me three hours to get here. And, wow. you, and you can't predict it anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, so so I'm either going to be late or early to every, everywhere that I go now. <laughs> well, Hannah, who I appreciate Hannah setting this up, uh, she, uh, the publicist, she said to me, well, uh, she said, Michael will probably get there around around noon uh-huh. Pacific time. And I said, okay, but I said, you know, I go on at 11, and, and if he can come earlier, I'll want to do i do the whole show with him. And she, she said, well, the tra-, and I said, I get it. I get the traffic. But when you texted me last night, I said, well, if you get there early, man, I'll be waiting on you. And you got in here about five, ten minutes before we started. Yeah, so yeah it was I did. Great. I, I couldn't believe it. In fact, the, more, the, the most traffic I hit was after I got off the freeway, just driving the surface streets to get here. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, we got a lot to talk about with Michael, and of course our phones are already lit up because the fans love you and they want to talk to you as well. Oh, boy. But before we, before some stuff from me before we get into all of this, and we should mention, too, that there is a tour coming up mm-hmm. uh, with Sammy Hagar in the Circle. A- actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like the first proper sort of tour you guys have done of consecutive dates because it's mostly been sporadic shows, right? Yeah, well, you know, Sammy... Every- <laughs> Sammy and touring these days, you never know what he's going to want to do. You know, and one on one hand, he'll go, "Well, you know what? Let's just do like these weekend warrior thing. We'll do a few shows here, and then take a break, and then do a few shows there, and take a break." But then Sammy also finds out, well, he still has to go into his studio at home to uh, keep his voice, you know, ready to go. And so he's like, "Well, that doesn't work." I said, "Well, well let's just go out and just play the shows. Just do it." But right. It, but it's great. We're going to go out and. Uh, you know, he really wanted to go out and do a bunch of shows, and we may be adding some more shows, too, so you never know. But if you go on his website or my website, Matt Anthony's Cafe, we'll post it all up there for everyone. Yeah, you, you it's amazing to me how hard, like, like Sammy's still out there going for world domination. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to slow down at some point because I've talked to him about it before, but I, I was like... He's he's coming up on seventy years old. Yeah. Which last time I talked to him, I said I don't even know how you're going to handle your party in Cabo at seventy. I don't know. You're going to have to expand the island or whatever. I don't know what you're going to do. Uh huh. And and I and, but he's coming. But he's still you know hitting it with the you know, doing the te- the tequila thing or the the thing with Adam Levine, the band, the solo stuff, the TV shows. I mean he's. I mean the energy this guy has is incredible. If he doesn't have all ten of his fingers in 10 different pies then he doesn't know what to do with himself in fact sometimes it's it seems like he needs to grow a couple more hands so he's got 10 more fingers for all the stuff for all the ideas that you know he comes up with and uh i gotta hand it to him though you know that that he uh i mean but then he also on the other hand he he does all the charitable work and stuff like that too yeah, of so course, i mean yeah. you know people go well you know he's just a big infomercial for his rum or his tequila or now his mesquila Sam, I got to get that in for you. Santo Mesquila. The stuff's good, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, 
he turns around and equally gives back, donating to uh, all kinds of uh, great organizations. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's always he's always got something that he's doing. He'll call it's me up and go with with an idea, and I'm like, Sam, geez, why don't you sit back and enjoy some of your money? You know. <laughs> I, <laughs> he, 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 yeah, yeah. He called me like I still have the voicemail actually, which I got to follow up with him on it because he left me one a message one day. He must have just had this idea, and he goes, "I got this idea." He goes, "Eddie Trunk, listen, we, I got this idea. This is what we're going to do." He goes, "I need to. We need to tell the definitive story of Van Halen, the Hagar years." He goes, "And we're going to do a thing." He goes, "I want you to interview me. I want to put it on TV, and I want to get it out there once and for all. I want everybody to know what's going on. We need to do this." He goes, "I don't. I'm not looking to shit talk anybody." or anything like that. I just want to tell the story of my time in the band and I need to lay that out. I said, Sam, when you're ready and you, you let's do it. And yeah. that, and then I, I don't know, that was like, I don't know when, I got to look at the message. It was a while ago. But no, I think now's now's the time, especially if you listen to some of the interviews he's doing or whatever now, you know, his, his whole take. In fact, his, his uh, you know, right now he's, he's saying, you know, the, the proper way to do a Van Halen tour, he's saying, let's do it with Dave and myself. Yeah, well, you know? and, and, and Tom Consolo was here yesterday. Mm-hmm. Who, who manages the the circle and Sammy and and everything? And Tom Tom was talking to me, and he told me that Sammy even said on his radio show because Sam Sammy truly is the king of all media and more, and everything. I mean, Sammy's got a million <laughs> things going on. But Sammy said that uh, Tom told me that Sammy even laid out how the set list would work, and that I I thought it would be like, and this is all hypothetical, but I thought it would be like an hour of one version an hour of another version, and then a jam at the end. But he said, no, Sammy actually wants to do it like two songs, hand the mic to Roth, he comes out two songs, and like, like a baton going back and right, forth. Right, right. In, in fact, he called me. I helped out with a couple of songs on that radio show that he did. But you know what? The, the funny thing, I mean, you're just mentioning that, if we did like an hour with one singer and an hour with another singer, you never know. There might be a lot of people that don't want to come the first hour or don't want to come for the second singer or whatever. Right. That's why you mix it That's up. A good every, point. Everybody's got to stay for everything. That's a good point. And believe me, if if something like that came to fruition, I guarantee there wouldn't be one person who would leave that show disappointed with anything. With either singer, probably. And listen, when you think about it, next year is the fortieth anniversary of the formation oh. of Van Halen. Which is which is unbelievable, but uh, th- this is all great to talk about, and it's it, it it as as a fan, it gets me excited, and uh, I it's uh, obviously it seems that you would be excited about it, and Sammy would be excited about it, but we all know that it, unless that guy sitting up there in the Hollywood Hills somewhere right now <laughs> has an interest in doing this, we can we're just all just talking. Yeah, definitely. I mean, something like this would would not happen unless everybody was equally excited to do it or whatever because you know you don't want to go out and you know and have it be be work you don't want to do it and have people say well they're doing it just for the money i want to truly go out there and just kick ass and give the people everything you know and that's what it would have to be yeah yeah and and i mean what what better time to do it if there was a time to do it because again celebrate 40 years celebrate both eras of the band everybody's getting older we we see so many of these guys dropping by the wayside unfortunately it's like man if everybody is still above ground and healthy and doing well why not why not just do it right yeah, one time yeah exactly while everybody still can you yeah know? yeah well that's the other thing too talk about Sammy and and him coming up on 70 but as you well know being in the band with them He's he's still a powerhouse, man. Yeah. It's amazing what he, he can keep, still do. It's it's all the way he looks at life and keeps himself in shape and keeps his voice in shape and he's still kicking ass. I got to say, and that that that's great because I kind of look at that and I think I mean I'm only 
going to be 63, but I look at him and go, God, look what he's doing at 70, you know, and, you know. It's inspiring. It is. It really is. It is. It really is. You know, you last time you were on, you told the story on this show about having, um, speaking of birthdays, I believe it was on a birthday that you had some exchange with Alex Van Halen on a boat or something. Yeah, it wasn't on a birthday. It was actually through a mutual friend of ours that came to visit me. Right. Have, have you had any other any other communication? No, with Alex, no. Actually, I have not. But uh, you know, and then people were going, "Well, why don't you why don't you call him back? Call him back, and you know, and, and tell him it was great talking to him, whatever." I said, "You know what? No, I just, you know, we had a great conversation, and I'll just let it lie, and you know, and see see what happens. Mm. You know, because I don't know what his situation is or whatever. I don't know if there's something keeping him from calling me back or whatever. So." But I'm not going to speculate. Right, right. Now, t- tying in on some Van Halen stuff, uh, and again, I, I I texted you my condolences on uh, on your grandson. Oh yeah. And uh, I know that's a a tough thing, but you're do- you're going to do something really cool about raising some money here for for him, right? In yeah. Terms act- of, it's t- actually, talk a little bit about that. It's walk. actually the first the first this is the, the the first one first annual. Uh, it's called Walk LA, sponsored by you know it's it's held with by a uh, Children's Hospital Los Angeles. And uh, I'll tell you, I mean, just uh, seeing on TV, on the news, you hear about Children's Hospital and whatever and what they do, but you really cannot fully appreciate and admire what they do over there unless you are there seeing what happens. And uh, whereas I hope I never have to be there again, right? I'm glad that I was there just to see what they do there. And boy, the doctors and the staff, they are truly dedicated to helping every child that comes through that door. And it's a great thing. It's a great cause. And, you know, obviously with with the passing of our grandson, it, it was great. It's great to be able to give back to the hospital that, that tried to do so much, you know. And so we formed a team. It's called Rex and the Heartbeaters because his name was Rex Michael. And uh, we're going to we're going to go for it. We got a huge team and we're just and we're going to walk. And it's great. You know, and it's like, you know, it's. I say, you know, don't donate. It's not donating to me. Donate through my name or our team, or whatever. But it goes straight to the hospital, and it's just for a great, a, a great place uh, that treat kids. So the walk is when? Is it in June? It's June seventeenth, and I believe it originates in Griffith Park. And if anybody want is interested in the walk or donating or any of that stuff, I mean, if you want to donate to our team or or through me, you can go to my Facebook page, Matt Anthony's Cafe, or else you can go straight to the. Uh, uh, I think it's chla.org, Children's Hospital Los Angeles.org, and they you know they explain everything that's going on. And that will sponsor your team, so to speak, and help raise the funds. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it all it all goes obviously to the hospital, but right. uh, and uh, you know, especially since uh, now, uh, you know, the other week, I'm sure a lot of people uh, heard uh, about Jimmy Kimmel's son, mm-hmm. Bill, that was born. He was actually born with a similar heart problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they were able to you know successfully you know, save him. And, uh, uh, but it, it is like the same, a lot of the same, uh, team and surgeon, uh, operate on him that operate on our grandson. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to, if, if Jimmy's out there listening or anybody who knows him, just tell him that my heart goes to him and I know what, what he's going through and I hope everything turns out great for his son. Yeah. And maybe, maybe Jimmy is a, I don't know Jimmy, but we have some mutual friends, but maybe he's a guy that actually could get behind the walk, you know, it'd be yeah. great if he could do something on his TV show about the walk or, uh, or, or get, be a part of it. Yeah. Maybe do the walk yeah. with you come or on, something. Come on, Jimmy. Chicken, get him chi- out chicken foot plate on your show. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Jimmy. <laughs> no, I, 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 he might have already heard about it by now or whatever, but uh, you know, yeah, 
it, it's it's just a great a great thing. And like I said, once you've experienced firsthand what they do there, you really can appreciate what that hospital does. And uh, you know, it's it's going to be a fun a fun time. You know, and we're going to raise a lot of money. We got a lot of money already raised for our team. Well, speaking and, of that, <laughs> speaking of that. Uh, there was some a lot of people noticed in the last week or two that made the rounds that when you when when you have this donation page up i guess it can and i've i've uh seen this before where you can you see who the donation is from right. and a lot of people uh, a big cuz you know how the van halen fans are they're looking for any hope or anything <laughs> uh were very um interested to see that the that there was a $10,000 donation made from one Mr. David Roth or David Lee Roth. Right, right. And uh, what can you tell us about that? Because there was some speculation uh, amongst people. Well, people can put any name they want if they want to be anonymous, and it may not even actually be him. Uh, were you able to confirm it was him? Well, I'll tell you, because I, I, the same way, I, I check I check the donation page every single morning when I wake up just to see how how – the team's doing and, you know, raising money and, and people that are donating. And I saw this one morning, David Roth, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. What? No, this this can't be right. And then the, what happens is a, a, an email gets sent to me personally saying a donation's been made uh, on your behalf by David Roth, $10,000. And so I, uh, uh, I can email back to thank the donors. Uh, this email went to a, uh, I'm not, I won't say who, but it went to a, uh, a business management agency. That's what the donation came through. And uh, I actually emailed back and said, uh, Dave, is this you? I, I hope it is. You know, and I thanked him for the for the generous donation and and uh, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, even if Dave, if you're listening, thank you. But I, I, I sent the email and I said, here's my email address. Email me back. Let me know it's you. Because I would really like to talk to you. Just to th- any anyway, just thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I got an email back uh, a couple days later from the same business management agency, but uh, you know, I just said, "Hi, Michael, it's David. Sorry about your loss, and I'll be in touch." So, but uh, I can pretty much confirm that it was him. Wow, that's amazing! And you yeah. when you haven't had any any dialogue with him in how long? Uh, the last time I actually spoke with Dave was when uh, that Sam and Dave tour in the early 2000s right. happened. And I came out for some of those shows and, uh, and jammed with Sammy and tried to get Dave up there to jam with us, too. But uh, that's that's probably the last time I spoke with him on, on some of those uh, shows. Wow. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. But that's a nice gesture. And It is. You know, it's Very. really – it's it's again, I mean, it's it's a nice gesture for – we can talk all we want, and, and we all are going to want to talk about and love talking about Van Halen and, and uh, miss certain versions of Van Halen, let's mm-hmm. just say. <laughs> but uh, but at the same token, this is the important stuff. I mean, when you can you can go and help kids and, and, and raise money and raise funds yeah. for people going through real-life stuff. I mean, it's a really it's a really cool thing. Yeah, that, that's part of what, you know, having the celebrity can do. I mean, obviously, you can go out and promote other things, you know, whether it's products or or whatever but you can also use it to do gestures like that you know yeah. and help promote stuff like that and and uh that's why i really wanted to be involved <clears throat> pardon me with the uh with this walk that we're doing because i asked my daughter i said how public do you want to be with this you know because if i come out that i'm i'm uh doing this and uh, ask for donations you know it could explode over the internet like you know it, it it's gotten out and uh at first she was kind of hesitant 
And then she called me back the next day and said, yeah, you know what? Go ahead because we want to raise raise the money. So I said, okay. So you know, I, so I put it on my Facebook page and, and, and put it out there and doing uh, a few interviews to you know raise the awareness and the money. Sure. And if that's the end game, because you want to raise money for a great cause, then you're in a position to be able to reach a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that are fans of yours. And there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, maybe have some some money and want to make a donation and feel good about it, that they have the disposable income, they can do it. So why not? Why not let get the word out there as much as it can to see where it comes from? Exactly. And I want want to thank I'm going to I'm I'm saving every single donation, donation that I get with the thank you email, uh, you know, uh, links that I can go to. But uh, and I'm going to try to find some kind of gracious way to thank everybody that donated to me. I don't know. Maybe I'll give them each a bottle of hot sauce, signed hot sauce. No, I know. But <laughs> well, that could, that could break me. No, but <laughs> but anyway, if any if any of those people are listening right now, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for this donation because it'll really help with the you know the, the legacy, the, the the short time my my grandson was here, yeah. and also help what the hospital's doing. Thank you very much. So so just one more time for people to know if they want, because there's still plenty of time to make a donation because yeah. the walk is until June. So where do they go again to do it? They can either go to the to the website directly, Children's Hospital LA website, or if you go on my Facebook page, Matt Anthony's Cafe, I have a link on there that'll take you directly to my team, my page. Okay. And you can donate, make the donation through me. Now, for people that don't know, and I've talked about it quite a bit, I wore the shirt on TV. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I love Michael as a musician and as a person, but I got to tell you, this guy is making my favorite hot sauce in the world. And and you know, you were the first guy. The, now, a lot of people, there's a lot of like quote unquote celebrity hot sauces. Mm-hmm. The the first two people that ever uh, gave me a bottle of hot sauce that were musicians, Joe Perry was the first guy, and then shortly afterwards, you. And the funny thing about Joe, when he gave me his hot sauce, I was at his house, his studio, uh-huh. and he gave it to me, and this was his first bottle of it, and it's a picture of him playing guitar on the cover of the hot sauce. That's a Boneyard Brew, I think it was yeah, called, right? something, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said to me, he gave it to me, and then I saw him a few months later, and he said to me, so what'd you think of the hot sauce? And I kind of said, oh, man, I didn't know what to say. He goes, well, did you not like it? I go, no, I just, I just never opened it. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, the bottle's so cool, and you're Joe Perry, and you gave it to me. It's kind of on my rock wall, you know, and my stuff. And he's like, he gives me another bottle. He goes, look, and, the, and his picture wasn't on. He goes, he goes, you see what I did? He goes, well, he goes, more and more people I asked who I gave the sauce to gave me the same answer. Well, they didn't want to disrupt the bottle and they wanted to hold it as a souvenir. He said, so now I made one without my picture so that you can open it. And it's just, and, and I was like, okay. And his sauce is very good, but your, your stuff and the, 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 I, I have the extra hot that you sent me and the regular right. hot. But the Matt Anthony's Cafe stuff is killer, and it is it is truly my favorite hot sauce. I put it on everything, and I love it. Well, thank you, Eddie. That's how we designed it to go. Not it, it's not like a Mexican food thing, you know. I like it just as well on on eggs or pizza or yeah. any of that stuff. Yeah, it's great on everything, and and this is something that you've been doing now for a number of years, right? Yeah, actually, two thousand four was when we first came out with it, and incidentally, it was kind of because of Joe Perry that I got into it. Oh, really? That people were saying, hey, you know, Joe's... Yeah, and uh, he had a, a long-time uh, tech, his name's Jim Service, uh-huh. that actually gave me a bottle of it. And uh, it was, I think, a special bottle that he did. And it had one of his picks embedded into the label on the bottle. And I said, oh, shit, what a great thing to do. I said, people will buy this just to have a Joe Perry guitar pick, you know? Right, but they may not open but, it. And... and, uh, and uh, I went to the same company that was making his hot sauce in the beginning and uh, talked with them about doing it. And 
we really didn't hit it off in the way I wanted to do my sauce. I really wanted to be involved in in doing it, mm-hmm. and so I just waited till the right company came by. And it was actually at one of the NAM conventions out here in Anaheim that uh, Mike and Diane's Gourmet Kitchen is what they're called. You know, they came and they said, "Hey, you know, we have a couple base sauces." help us create a sauce and so my sauce is actually you know it's not something i just stamp my name on it no this is my stuff i'm in on everything that has to do with this sauce which is great yeah it really is great stuff and where and people listening where can they get the sauce is it what is it matt is it matt anthony's cafe you can get you can get it through uh my website matt anthony's cafe.com there are if you're here on the west coast bristol farms yeah uh, i see those all over they all they all carry it because uh, I work with a lot with some of their people, and I actually have a new manufacturer and some new marketing people, and we're getting ready to really expand this. I'm not going to say right now, but I have a couple of meetings with CEOs of a couple of huge restaurant chains and whatever. So I figured I get a little more time on my hands now, so why not You know, yeah. put a little more time in the hot sauce? I'm not looking to become a millionaire making it, but it's just cool to see something like that that I really helped create You know, a lot of people – People like yourself like it, Eddie. Yeah, you know? but it's genuinely good. I yeah. mean, if it was just a, a thing because, oh, it's it's a it's a rock guy's sauce, I mean, I, okay, great, I'll throw it on the shelf, whatever. Yeah. But I truly, truly reach for it. And I told you off the air when you first came in, I told my wife today, she said, so who's coming in the show today? I said, Michael. She goes, oh, you love his hot sauce. Like, <laughs> you know, nothing about 40 years of great Van Halen records. She's like, oh, you and that, you love that hot sauce. I always see you going for it. I was like, yeah, it's right front and center in my fridge. So There you go, Eddie. Hot sauce, hot sauce for you for life. Whenever you need it. You just text me and I'll send it to you. Run it with the <laughs> devil. Don't, who cares about that song? It's all about the hot sauce. Who cares about the cares about the vocals, the bass, all this stuff? No, forget there chicken we go. foot. We, we're, we're here for hot sauce. It's great to have Michael Anthony here with us talking about all sorts of stuff from hot sauce to chicken foot to Van Halen, of course, to uh, everything else. The great charity event that he has coming up as well that uh, you guys should please check out and help out if you can. And, uh, yeah, so Chicken Foot, you got at least one song done. Yeah, how about that? I know there's a great (laughs) conflict between doing a record and not doing a record to the point that last time I saw Joe, he even said to me, put a bug in Sammy's ear. Come on, let's just do a record. Well, no, what we need to do is we need to put a bomb underneath Anthony Kiedis. No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, we need to we need to sabotage right. the Chili Peppers tour so we can get Chad back. You know, we we decided. You know, I mean, I'm great friends with Kenny Arnoff. In fact, we played a gig together last week. But uh, the the Chicken Foot, we want all four original members to do it. And for some reason, getting all four members together at the same time. You know, I guess I I think I was actually thinking driving over here because uh, I knew we'd talk about it that. Uh, when the Chili Peppers tour is over, because they tour forever when they go out and tour now, that but they'll probably take a huge break. And yeah. Chad, he's the kind of guy he'll go home and s- sleep and have a cigarette, and then he'll be ready to do so, you know he'll be ready for it. So right, so maybe there's a window. So maybe. there there could be a window, but yeah, we didn't. You know what? I think it was more like we didn't want things to just kind of die on Chicken Foot because it it is something that we all do want to do again when everybody can do it. Right, and we had. Uh, Joe had this demo for this song that turned out to be Divine Termination that we put on there. And uh, there's actually a couple other demos that Joe sent, some guitar riffs also, so you never know. But we decided to, Sammy, that song kind of spoke to Sammy, and he wanted to finish that song, so we all did it. And the thing that kind of sucks is that we all kind of did it separately, too. I mean, Sammy and I were together in the studio. I flew up north to do that, but, you know, Chad was working, so he did his part when he could or whatever. But, you know, we just wanted to put something out there so people know that Chicken Foot is not dead. You know, people go, hey, yeah, one album, two albums, and you got a best of. It's like, well... 
you know, thank God we had this song that we that we put out because how many times can you repackage? Yeah. Stuff? <laughs> well, well, you got this song and there's live stuff on there too. There is some different yeah. stuff. I mean, I, I mean, you do. There is a few other things. Yeah, on we there, pull so. we pull from some of the stuff that we had because this was a band where I mean, from the first minute we all four walked into the studio to to do this back in 2008 or nine, we recorded and we videoed everything in the studio and whatever so that you know because we want to have it well documented and that's one thing i kind of am sad about a lot of the early van halen stuff is that we did not document studio stuff or a lot of stuff that would have been really cool to document that uh you know i don't know if it was just we never thought about doing it or what i mean we used to record all our shows so i mean there's some great bootlegs out there i've got a, a whole box full of bootlegs that people have given me that are some are really almost record quality really from van halen shows but, you know, a lot of, like, the studio stuff, you know, a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff yeah, that, yeah. like, I know I like to watch if, oh, I, yeah. if I've seen a band do something, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. if you think about it, yeah, there really is nothing that's ever come out, no. that there was cameras in there or video. I mean, obviously, back then, late 70s, early 80s, cameras weren't as readily available, and right. now, now everybody could shoot HD on their phone, exactly. so it's a little different. But still, there are, you look at stuff that Pink Floyd did in the 60s, and there's yeah. video of them in the studio or whatever. But, yeah, I never, there's nothing like that with you guys yeah and i know i don't know why we i don't know why we didn't do it you know either, either we didn't think about it we always thought about recording on stage because you know we were always thinking about the live show and uh, what we could do to to make something better or you know we're rushing this or or dragging on on a song so we would always record the the show so that we could see it film it uh we do we have filmed we have filmed quite a few of them and uh, a lot of that stuff i don't know where a lot of that stuff ended up when the band when dave left and the band just kind of you know when we regroup, Man, that you know, would be there's amazing stuff, there's... if there's pro shot footage of like the early tours. Yeah, now I know, like in 1980, you know, there's there's a couple shows that we did like at the Capitol Center and and you know different different places uh, that we actually had the arena shoot for us. You know, if they had the cameras there and they said, hey, for this fee, we'll shoot the show for you and you can have you know have that. And so we've got we've got uh, a handful of those. Yeah, some of the stuff, I remember some of the old MTV videos from, I think, the Fair Warning record were live concert clips. Yeah. I think there was, like, Unchained. Remember, maybe there was that one where, where Alex would uh, hit the, like, the gong on fire or whatever, hit it. I remember seeing that video all the time. It was yeah. just a live There's a couple where he lit clip. his hair on fire, too, but we didn't put those <laughs> out. He would, turn, he would turn to his tech, Greg, and say, <clears throat> pointing, going, my hair, my hair. And, and Greg sitting next to him smoking a joint or something with his thumb up going, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> He really caught his but, hair off. Oh, a couple of times, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, because in, in MTV they always want, you know, uh, when we did Pretty Woman, that was the one real storyline that and Hot for Teacher that MTV we let them talk us into doing, or a couple of the directors, because we always thought, you know, we're performing, we're a live band, we're a band, we're not a bunch of actors, so we're not going to get up there and act goofy. Which, well, you know. Uh, pretty Woman, <laughs> they, they they talked us into acting goofy on camera, but we and there was some controversy with the Pretty Woman video, wasn't it? Like, wasn't it like censored or something at some point? Well, we had these two little people, little, little people, and then the the woman at the end was like a transsexual that we used uh, in the in, in in the video. And back then, MTV, you know, was kind of like, oh, you don't do stuff like that. And I think they showed it once or twice on MTV, and then and then they would they would play it like at two in the morning. Every now and then, because of what is like you know nothing now was a big deal to show that on uh, right you know on TV right right yeah it's uh, I remember remember there being some hubbub about that at the time yeah at the end of the at the end of the song she he he she whatever it was whips the wig off yeah. and it's a dude 
you know, yeah. which it really was a. <laughs> of the videos that, that Van Halen made, what what was, do you have a favorite that you remember shooting? Uh, Imagine Hot for Teacher. Well, Hot for Teacher blast. was Hot for Teacher was a blast shooting, and incidentally, my wife Sue woke up with me when I was getting ready to shoot for the first day, and that's when my oldest daughter Alicia was conceived. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bad Your mistake. daughter Taylor that, right now is like, yeah, she's well, like, that's her hand in that's her face. One, that's like, one thing I know. Well, need that information. <laughs> my daughter Taylor was when my wife came to visit us when we played New Orleans. There was a, a thing we did, a free uh, jam in Dallas, Texas we did, and the night before, I think, or the couple days before we played in New Orleans, and my wife and I went out and partied all night. <laughs> And that was my other daughter, Taylor. So. <laughs> Taylor's right now, is, she's she's miserable that she decided to be a carpool partner. I got to go sit in here and I don't ever hear about this. I could talk to you forever about all sorts of things. We did. I did buy an egg burrito downstairs, which I've cut in half. We do have the, the Matt Anthony hot sauce. We are going to have some. We should probably do it during the next next commercial break, so we're not chomping and sweating yeah, on the air. Pieces of burrito all over the microphone. <laughs> that that that's so good. we do have a little <laughs> breakfast slash lunch as it's noon here on the on the west coast. Uh, that we will sample some of the sauce. Uh, Michael's got a new one here that I have not had, but I I promise and I pride myself on giving my audience the chance to engage with this show on a lot of levels, and I could go on forever about so many things with you, but I am going to turn things over. To the great listeners, to fire away at Michael Anthony. Yeah, Are you ready want, for want, that? I just want to warn them. I'm not. Don't don't try to curse me into talking smack about anybody or anything. Yeah, I don't do that these yeah. days. All right, Michael Anthony is here, and we are going to the phones. And uh, I guess we'll start. What better place than in line number one? And by the way, before we forget, again, go see the Circle, Sammy Hagar in the Circle, which of course is with Michael Anthony, Vic Johnson, Jason Bonham, and uh, you guys go out on tour. Well, we start. We start our first shows June second in uh oklahoma but we're gonna be all over east coast west coast midwest so yeah i haven't seen the circle yet believe it or oh, not you, you gotta you gotta you come. guys haven't done much near me it's, i think you did atlantic city was the closest yeah but i looked at the routing and i think there is some stuff closer so i absolutely have to get out to a definitely. show definitely it's a fun time it's, it's a it's great, great band yeah i think i saw it like i saw an i saw the seeds of the circle being planted because I was at that show in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, at the Hard Rock, mm-hmm. where y- you were playing with Sammy, and Jason got up and played Pound Cake and some right, stuff. Right, right, he and did, yeah. that's when the sort of seed was planted for the band, I remember. Yeah, so exactly. I did, I did see an early version, pre-Circle of the Circle, and it was it was badass. I mean, it was great. Oh, so. we're much worse now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start on line number one. Al in Jersey. Go ahead, Al. You're on with the great Michael Anthony. I like that. Hey, guys. What's up? Al, how you doing, man? Hey, M- Mike, man. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. A real honor, man. Van Halen. Oh, good talking to you, too. Uh, Van Halen was a first band that ever made me want to pick up an instrument and be a musician so i thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that man great um uh, my question is um on you're no good uh first track on van halen 2 the bass intro the bass intro on that the little snippet that opens up i always heard that that's like a snippet of like a longer bass solo you did is that true uh I did. I did kind of uh, extend that a little bit on stage, but no. We were we were actually just looking for uh, Ted Templeman, who produced that record. He was just looking for just a quick little intro, 
And so, like, you know, I'm big into all the, I was big into all the old stomp box cheesy effects and whatever. And so I got some kind of a flanger or something like that and just kind of like went, (laughs) and Ted goes, great, we'll use that. But I, yeah, I think it's I, a cool way to but, open a record. It's really it, it really sets a tone. It's really kind of cool. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but it's thanks not, for asking. No, not, that, that that there wasn't that isn't that isn't actually part of a bigger piece. So that was just that little piece that we did. I just want I just want to say it sounds great blaring out a fifteen inch Sharon Vegas in my uh, in my car. So. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thank you, Al, for the call. You and thanks, many Al. others cranked up Van Halen and still do absolutely. Uh, my home state representing here while I'm on the West Coast. Brian again in in Jersey. Hey, Brian, what's going on, man? What's up, Ed? Hey, Brian, you're on with Michael Anthony. All right, man. Very good. Mike, right. you are a huge influence on me. I'm a bass player. I've been playing since I was about 10. Um, just the way you lay it down, my favorite, um, you playing in Fair uh, Mean Streets, the guitar uh-huh. solo. The way you lay it down, dude, is sick. It is awesome. I love it. It's simple, and it's great. Um, I'm hanging out with my son, JB, in the driveway. Say hi, JB. Hi. <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? You're in the driveway, so you can listen. I'm, I'm assuming because you have the radio in the car, so you got to sit in the driveway to hear the show, right? Exactly well, thought, right, man. Thought, Just like a good New Jersey boy, I got the, my uh, my uh, <laughs> trunk open. Trunk, no pun intended. There you go. Show. Um, well, that's great. Thanks a lot. You know, because I tell you, you know, being playing behind a, a guitarist like Eddie Van Halen, you know, Pete, some people go, well, how come you don't? You know, you just kind of lay back sometimes or whatever, and you got to do what's right for the track. And you know, you got a, right. a fantastic guitarist like Eddie. It's like you got to lay the rhythm down. I mean, you know, sure you want to go off and showboat and do all your stuff, but you know, sometimes well, you, you got to put you, that. I mean, got to anchor it down. Alex, you and Alex are just so great together. And, uh, I mean, really, anybody you play with, dude, you're just phenomenal. And I've always been a fan of you. The, your attitude and the way you carry yourself is just – it's just cool, man. You're a regular dude, and you come off that way, and I appreciate that because more people should be like that in rock. Let me tell you, Brian, it's all an act – um, he came in here with an entourage of 15 people. Uh, he asked the demands he had to get him to this studio are unlike anything I've ever seen before. This guy, so don't fall. You know the nice guy, regular guy act from Michael Anthony. It's all a big act. Come on, Eddie. I uh, I thought I paid you off not to talk about that too. I didn't pay you enough. I I, I couldn't be more. What you see is what you get with this guy. So absolutely, you're 100 percent spot on. Again, Jersey representing. Oh wow. Tommy. Oh, Eddie. Tommy in Atlantic City. Tommy, what's going on, buddy? What's up, boys? How you doing? Michael, great to talk to you. Big fan. Wish you were right. back in with Van Halen. Um, I got a, two questions for you. One mm-hmm. is, do you think when back when Sammy was in the band the first time, do you think when he did that solo album that he had to fulfill his contract, do you think that was a, one of the turning points of Eddie Sauron? Just a little bit on Sammy and, you know, the whole thing back then of doing, you can't be in two bands and you can't, you know, oh, he wants to do solo albums. And now it's kind of the norm 
to do but that. But Eddie he, was that on was that record. Did, right, did, yeah. Hold on, Tommy. Uh, yeah, didn't Eddie, play, Eddie, Eddie played bass yeah, on Eddie it, Eddie played bass yeah, on that record. Did. I actually even, uh, I didn't get any credits because we didn't want, we wanted to keep it Sammy's thing, but I actually sang background on a couple of those songs on that on that album right. too. But no, that was, that was something that, that we all knew about go, right off the bat that Sammy was contractually right. obligated to do. So he was going to have to do that anyway. So right. that's why Eddie. That's why Eddie jumped on board, and he goes, "Hey, I'll produce it for you, and I'll, you know, I'll play bass on it." Because we didn't want it to be Sammy at first was going, "Well, I'll sing on it and have you, uh, Alan, Mike, and you know, it'll be like Van Halen, but it'll be Mike my solo record." But then we decided not to do that. But uh, so Eddie decided to to do his thing on it. Not like I said, I sang on a couple of the songs too. But no, that was something that we all knew about, you know, going into everything. Is that you on Give to Live? If no, you know, no, but if you listen to Boys Night Out, that's one of them. You'd hear the the high, Boys Night Out! Yeah. That's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just needed, like, you know, the high trumpet part or something. I don't know. Let's uh, let's go to Miami and say hello to Brian. All right. Hey, Brian, you're on. Hey, Trump how you doing? It's a pleasure Anthony. to talk to you, Michael Anthony. It's a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Hey, this is one to ask you a question. Um, it, it pertains to Eddie. Was he just, like, a natural musician... Or did he have to practice at his craft all the time? Because every every time I saw you guys fifteen times, like half Dave, half Sammy, and I, I am not in the camp of I had to switch sides. Uh, I mean, choose sides. I, I loved everything much. you did with Dave and Sammy. Thank you. So was it so as natural I. to him as it seemed, or did he like practice night and day? I've always been curious about that my whole life. He would practice night and day, but I don't think he needed to practice night and day because, you know, some people are just are, – it seems like they're born gifted musicians, which I'm sure Eddie will tell you that nobody is. But, yeah, this right. guy was like he – he had a guitar in his hand all the time. And as he was coming up with all these different things, like uh, I'm sure you probably heard the story when he came up with his two-hand tapping thing, we right. would have to uh, – uh, Dave would always tell him to play with his back to the audience because he didn't want other – Dave said, you don't want other guitar players copping that. And there were actually a couple of people – we used to rehearse this little garage in Pasadena Dina here, and uh, a couple of times we'd open the door to take a break from rehearsing, and there would be a couple of these friends of, of Eddie's that play guitar standing there at the door <laughs> listening to what he's doing. Mm. But uh, no, I mean he always had has and has a guitar in his hand. When you first when you first met him, and mm-hmm. was he at that level already? Where you're just as you, you yourself as a musician. Are you like, what is this guy doing? Like, did you recognize immediately that this was this game-changing guitar player, or was he a more traditional player at that point? When I first saw them, it's funny because they were him and Alex and a guy by the name of Mark Stone who was playing bass was just them three, and they were playing on a, on a field. Uh, it was it was like a, a a affair that was going on at the high school that I was going to. And uh, the one thing that I was really impressed with Eddie because back then, you know, he they played like. All the cream stuff, all the who stuff, and and what was really impressive that he could play all that stuff note for note if he wanted to. That clapped and 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 all those guys were playing, and uh, I, after playing in the band with him, then all of a sudden you see him start developing, you know, the tapping and all the stuff that would really, the innovative stuff. But he was just he was just a great guitar player. You know, back then, you know, you're either you're either really good or you're not really good. <laughs> I don't know, and and he was and he was really good. He really impressed me every time that I, I heard him play. And for you, you you're in a band, a single guitar band, the whole time. So as a bass player, 
you 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 touched on this earlier. I mean, you really have to make sure you're holding down your end because you don't have a rhythm guitar player in the band. You don't have a second guy. You've got a guy who's a a mad genius professor guitar player, mm-hmm. but still, was there ever a thought in the earliest days of Van Halen to having another guy on stage, to having a rhythm guitar player? There, there had always been talk about it. In fact, before I joined the band, there was a, a short time where they had a keyboard player in the band, actually. Oh, wow. And I forget, I forget the guy's name, and it wasn't that long, but they did have a keyboard player for a while. But, uh, you know, in, in, in fact, the bands that I played, and even before before Van Halen, I always came back to being in a band with just a guitar, bass, and drummer because I always thought there was just the communication is much easier. I don't have to count. You don't have to, you know, there, there isn't as much stuff that has to be planned out. You know, you can just look at each other and just really go off the handle. Like, you know, like Cream and, and The Who are two of the bands that could famously do that. And then and you're like going where the hell are they in the song? And then all of a sudden, psh, they're all right there together. You know? Right, right. Let's uh, continue with the calls. So many great calls. So many people want to talk to Michael. We'll go to Pennsylvania right now. Say hello to Jeff. Hi, Jeff. You're on the air. Jeff. Hey, guys. How you doing today? What's going right. on, Michael hey. Anthony? How you doing, brother? Not much, man. I'm just uh, chilling with Eddie. That's a beautiful thing. He's a great dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, he so, is. Uh, I you. had the privilege and punishment of seeing uh, VH back in two, uh, 2004 in Philadelphia. <laughs> Um, why was it a punishment, uh, Jeff? Why was it a punishment? Uh, Let's hear your you know, take on that. <laughs> I just it was my first. It was my first experience, and Eddie just you know we all know how Eddie was that year. <laughs> oh wait a minute! What um, year were you talking about? Two thousand four. Oh, this this was your first Van Halen concert. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not. Yeah, I get what you're saying now because I was at one of those shows too in New Jersey, and I get what you're saying. That was not. That was not good. In the spirit of Michael wanting to keep everything on the up and up and positive, we will leave it at that. So go ahead, Jeff. What did you want to say? So I just have a couple quick ones for you. Um, basically, what do you think is the greatest Van Halen uh, you know, work of art, and what is your favorite song to play live? The greatest Van Halen what? The greatest Van Halen record? You think Is that what yeah, your question was, Jeff? Yeah, sorry, I asked that pretty stupid. Do you have a favorite Van Halen record and a favorite song to play live? Oh, man. That's like... Yeah, I mean, I'll give you, I can give you a favorite out of each incarnation of Van Halen, you know. I mean, they're they're all good. You know, I, uh, right off the top of my head, Mean Streets was always fun to play live. Uh, and then, jeez, uh, I don't know, there's, they're, they're all fun to play live. I can't really, I can't really pick one out that, you know, on, on one given night, uh, when we play Love Walks In with Sammy, I just get, I get goosebumps the whole song, you know. And yeah. the other night it'll be something else. But Yeah. If, if there's a young kid listening to this right now who is, you know, never really, maybe he's 15 and he's hearing about this band Van Halen, where would you tell him if he was going to get his first Van Halen record? Which one would you tell him to get? First one? I would say the first one. Yeah. yeah because just, just how pure and raw it was mistakes i can point out mistakes in our first two or three van halen records little mistakes that, really that ted templeman would say leave it in there you know the vibe was happening or whatever and uh you know it might be something that you don't really catch but then can you give I us point, a couple to, no to, you won't say it no i'm not gonna say it because a couple of them might who's be me. making them oh uh, one or two of them might be me <laughs> isn't there a statue of limitations <laughs> or something it's been 35 40 years i you know what I'd, I'd have to i'd have to think to, to look at them but but we used to like you know it was it was kind of like we would always go for the vibe and and yeah and, 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 and if that was happening 
you know, it was just leave it. Whereas, you know, later on you go, well, you know, if we get a really great drum track, we can maybe redo this part of the guitar, or redo the bass, or redo whatever. But back then it was like, you know, you're in a room together and boom, you play. If 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 somebody really uh, screwed up something, you stop the song and we would start it again. See, that's amazing. And I've, I've said this publicly. I've said this in interviews I've done. I've said this to you. To me, the first, the, the early Van Halen records, and I don't mean that with any disrespect to the later ones because I do like most of them, but the early Van Halen records, to me, are as important uh, and will look be looked back on if they're not already as as pivotal and as important and as timeless as as like Led Zeppelin's records yeah. are. I really believe that. It's the American Led Zeppelin in that way that you put on those early records, they don't sound dated at all to me. They would just sound like a band playing live in your face, raw ripping and and you know, we had um Dave Navarro was on this show on mm-hmm. Monday and he came in and he's like, I all I want to talk about is Van Halen because he's just such a fan. So we spent a lot of time talking about uh-huh. Van Halen. And I've talked to a lot of guitar players who have said this to me. Jason Hook said this to me on my TV show. A, a number of guys. And when they talk about the definitive, from a guitar playing standpoint, mm-hmm. the, the definitive record to them, surprisingly, you know which one they always say? Which one? Fair Warning. Fair Warning? Yeah. That that's the that's the... The guitarist guitar record, and uh, when when Dave was here yesterday, I'm not a musician, but he said that's when Eddie started doing drop D tuning and all mm-hmm. this stuff. So whatever from a musician-y standpoint is going on, Fair Warning is a record they really point. Fair to. Warning was probably it might even be my my favorite all around of the Dave era records, and 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 probably exactly for like what. Dave was saying, you know, the drop D tuning, we were trying some, you know, different stuff sonically that was just sounding heavy and, and big, you know. Yeah. But then on the other hand, when we came out with 5150 with Sammy, to me it was kind of like, with that record, it was kind of like the same thing all over again, like the first Van Halen record with Dave because we were fired, you know, after everything that, that we went through and, and Dave leaving the band and everything, all of a sudden it was like another that spark, which you never know if you'll ever find that again. We found it with Sammy in a big way. I mean, he came to the studio. I still have the cassette tape with the demos that we did, which uh, uh, a, f- a few of those songs that we had music for and just blew us all away when Sammy came in and jammed with us. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I think it was like, you know, we, we again went in and we're like, we're just, we're playing live, you know. Obviously, you know, there were, there'll be an overdub here and there, but it was basically a really great time just playing live as a band in the studio. Yeah, and you can hear that on that record. I mean, right from the top, I remember getting 5150, and I mean, I was a huge Sammy fan before he was in the band, but just uh, the whole open, him just introducing himself, hello, I mean, there you go. Good enough, that was one of the songs that that he jammed with us when we first got together, and and some of the lyric, actually, that he was just coming off the top of his head made it to that song in the... The final song. Hey, one more thing for me before I go back to the phones while we're talking about the catalog and the different eras. The one thing that uh, obviously kind of gets glossed over a lot is Van Halen 3, the record with Sharon. Mm-hmm. And I've always, Gary's a friend, and I've always kind of defended Gary for his time in Van Halen because although I don't, I agree that it's not a record I listen to on a regular basis and it's a record that lost me as well musically, but I, I don't think Gary, I think Gary unfairly gets the brunt of that. It's I think a lot of it's blamed on him and my position on it has always been he's a new guy in the band how much could he have swayed i mean i don't think he made all the decisions that went into making that record yeah. as a new guy what's yeah. your you take know, on I, all that I, I love gary too i stay in touch with gary 
and uh, I think he's he's a great guy. And we had a blast when we went out on that tour. Partly because Gary wanted to sing all the early Van Halen stuff too. He's I want to do all of it, but no, Gary walked into he walked into a very uh, strenuous situation that Van Halen was in. Alex was going through a hard time. He was going through a divorce right then. There was a lot of stuff that Gary just fell into joining the band, and I don't think it was the ideal time. For Gary, I'm sure he'll tell you that too. You know, right. for to, to join this band, it wasn't a total joyous time because there was a lot of personal stuff going on uh, within the band right. when he when he joined. But I lo- I love Gary, and we had a, we had a great time. Him and I we hung out every day when we were on tour. Did that record? Do you ever listen to that record? Do you have any any you know musically? Did when you were making it and you were when that record was being recorded, were you like this is this might not work? Well, you know, we had uh, we pulled in at, at that point. Eddie was uh, became really good friends with a guy by the name of Mike Post, who ended up uh, producing, Hill Street Blues or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, producing the record, and things got, you know, things would get a little off track. <clears throat> Pardon me, like I said, you know, there'd be times where we'd be trying to record a track, and after two takes, we got to take a break because Alex's lawyer's on the phone. Oh wow! Or or, or this or that happens, and. Uh, we actually, as a band in the studio, which we always, like I, we said before, took pride in us playing live in the studio. There was only very a, a few songs that we actually played together as a band in the studio on that record. Right. And I, you know, not to get into it because there was a lot of tension, a lot of things were were happening doing that record. And like I said, it was not a good time at all for Gary to be joining a band because he jumped into he jumped into a big drama. Is what he what he did. Yeah, know? and I heard I felt bad for him. For yeah, that. and I yeah I think he get very unfairly gets blamed for that record. And I uh, I had heard demos that were being worked on of what would have been a second record with Gary if he would have mm-hmm. if it would have stayed. And they were way better actually. Yeah, there were a couple of things. You know, obviously, you know, because Gary, you know, yet you, you have to spend time with each other and then and, and become comfortable or whatever. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that Gary was told to sing on that record, let's say. Right. Or or the way he sang or the melodies that he sang, you know, were not Gary singing naturally because I was always a, a big fan of of extreme. You know, yeah. that's when I that's where I first met Gary and Nuno and right. uh, and those guys. And I knew Gary was a great singer, but to me, Gary wasn't able to be Gary on that record. Right. Talking live with Michael Anthony, just great stuff here. We know the lines are jammed. We're going to come back to you guys on the phones in a second. Again, uh, check out uh, the Sammy Hagar in the Circle, which of course includes Michael Anthony, Jason Bonham, and Vic Johnson going out on tour this summer. Go to the respective websites to look for a date near you. Check out Michael Sauce. Go to Matt Anthony's Cafe online and check that out. Incredible hot sauce. Great stuff that he has. And and most importantly, above everything maybe, is uh, check out and help if you can with the walk that Michael has coming up in uh, in June. Again, go to his Facebook page for the direct link if you'd like to make a donation or learn more about it. Or maybe, I guess, if people live in, in the L.A. area, they could even be in the walk. Is that... Oh, yeah. That? Yeah, definitely. So you, you can, you, you can sign up. I think it costs like 20 or $30, you know, to, to, to donate or whatever. But yeah, you can sign up. Anybody can walk. There you go. All right. Uh, let's get right back into it because before you know it, we're going to be out of time and that's going to suck because we love talking to Michael Anthony and having him on the show. Here on this Wednesday, we are live in Los Angeles. Again, if you miss any of our sh- uh, any of Trunk Nation, just go and listen to it on demand on the SiriusXM app. They usually go up the next day. We had some great guests earlier in this week, right in, into the end of last week. Alice Cooper on the show, so go check it out if you miss anything. Tomorrow, Corey Taylor is here, so the hits keep coming. 
as we bring you shows from L.A. this week. All right, let's get back to the busy phones, Michael. Great call so far. Everybody wanting to uh, to talk to you about all sorts of things in your in your amazing history. Let's go to Sean, who's listening in Florida. You're up next, Sean. Welcome. Hi, good afternoon, guys. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Michael. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing terrific. I uh, just want Great. to uh, say huge, huge fan and looking forward to seeing The Circle live this summer in Clearwater, Florida. Uh, can't wait. All right. Great. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I was curious if you could um, speak a little bit about the bit of time right before 5150 came out, because I've just never heard too much talked about, but after, uh, you know, Dave had dismissed himself from the band, um, what was the, the mindset of the band going in this whole new direction with Sam? Like, what was what was it like before the album came out? Like, what were you, like, thinking? Were you nervous? Were you anxious? Were it, was it, like, a sense of, oh, this is going to be great? Or what was the mindset? I'm just curious. Well, before, before Sam actually joined the band, we were all like, <laughs> what are we going to do now? <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> Uh, you know, when Sammy joined the band, we knew from the get-go when he first when he first jammed with us, because, like I said, th- that spark. Sometimes you never you never get it, you never feel it again, and it's just a jam. But when Sammy jammed with us, you know that that something was there because everybody just got along great, and the chemistry was really happening. And we knew we had a kick-ass record. But yeah, like you said, everybody knew Van Halen with Dave, and. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, you got some big shoes to fill. Well, no, we don't want to fill those shoes. We got a new pair of shoes now. And, uh, I mean, we knew that we were going to go out there and kick ass because we loved the, the music on the album and, and what we were doing and, and how the show was going to be. But, yeah, it was it was very kind of – and Samuel Tay, too, he was very nervous before that first show because we didn't know what to expect. And, uh, you know, either either the whole crowd's going to be holding hate banners up or you, right. know, you never know what to expect. And it was great. You know, obviously there were there were a few in the in the audience, you know, because there's there's gonna be, but uh, I remember it was it was great, and we just we just came out with both barrels blazing and uh, and said, yeah, hey, I this mean, is it. It was it, to me, and there's much made, and I get into this with fans all the time because to me it seems like there's a segment of fans they feel like they have to choose a side. You have yeah. to be a Roth guy or a Hagar guy. I never understood that because I truly love both versions of the band. I, but I look at them as being very different bands, and exactly. they are. So you just have to, if you look at them in that context, uh, I, I don't see the need to, to pick a side. The one thing I have said is that there is no band right now in existence that I'm aware of that's still active if you consider Van Halen to still be active, and we don't know what they're doing. We just don't know. They've said this many times. They're like the most stealth band. We just You just don't hear anything. But if assuming they are still active and are going to go do things with Dave, Dave does not, and let's be honest, cannot sing Sammy's stuff as mm-hmm. a, as a singer. There's no, there's there's literally no matter if you like the Hagar Van Halen or not. There's literally like a dozen bona fide hit songs from that version of the band. At least ten bona fide hit songs that are completely on the shelf. Like, if you think about that, it kind of sucks because unless the band was to do something with yourself and Sammy again, there's no way to hear the band that made those songs ever play them again. And you're ta- you're not talking Unless like, you come and see Sammy and be played. But I mean, that's all you'll get. Right. Yeah, the, the band, band that actually made the, exactly. the songs. And and it's not like that version of the band had one hit and it was, oh, yeah, there, there was that one hit. That was a whole nother generation's Van Halen. 
and there's there's a ton of songs that are just sitting there on the shelf. And yes, you guys do them with the circle, but I meant the four of yeah, you guys. The four that of made us, yeah, four of us. Yeah, and 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 you can speculate all you want because the way the music was 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 evolving and growing in the direction it was going anyway. You know, before Sammy, when Dave was gone, and before Sammy joined the band, a lot of this the material was being written. So who knows what you know? Obviously, how it would have continued with Dave or whatever. But like you said, I I consider it two different bands. Yeah. You know, and I, and I love I love playing the Dave stuff. I love playing the Sammy stuff, and, and I think it's all great. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the phones. Uh, let's talk to. Let me see where we're going to go. So many calls. Brian in Nashville. Go ahead, Brian. You're on with Michael Anthony. Hey, Ed. Hey, Mike. Big fans. Appreciate your work keeping hard rock and heavy metal out there, man. Uh, I'm a professional musician here in Nashville and a bass player. And I got what, Mike, what, I appreciate your groove, man. You're a solid bass player. You always keep the groove tight. And uh, I've always respected your playing and learned a lot out of, off of it. Uh, what is your current rig? I mean, what do you use now? And second part of it is, I'm 47, man, and I notice as I tour and I play and do a lot of studio gigs, man, my hands start swelling up a little bit. I start getting a little bit of uh, arthritis and things as, as time goes on. Do you have any trouble with that, or do you do anything to, to combat that? Or? Dude, uh, no. I mean, you know, I, I pick up my bass almost every day and, and play, and even if I'm not, you know, practicing any music in particular i've got scales and you know obviously like an athlete or anything else anyone else you know you just got to try to keep everything uh keep the fingers moving and and everything as far as swelling up i haven't experienced any of that but uh yeah 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 stick, stick your hands in a bowl of my hot sauce <laughs> okay. and uh the, actually the rig that i'm playing right now i'm playing uh I have a, a bass rig that uh, PV is making for me. It's called a VBMA, and it's uh, along the same lines, uh, uh, eight 10-inch speakers, like a SVT Ampeg style, but only a whole lot better. It's got a clean and a dirty channel, which you can combine or whatever. And then I've, uh, uh, I'm using Schecter basses. In fact, I have a couple of new uh, signature models they just made for me, and I'm really digging those. If you get a chance to check any of those out, I highly recommend it. Let's talk to Cody, who's in Houston. Hi, Cody. You're on with Michael Anthony. Eddie, Mike, good afternoon. Mike, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, To say that I've been a fan for many years, I'm looking at a ticket stub. You were my second concert, July 15th, 1979 in Midland, Texas. How much was it to get in, Cody? What's the ticket price? I'm looking at a ticket. It says advanced purchase $8, which is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Those are the days. Those are the days. And the people who got the tickets in the front row, those are the people that waited in line the longest. Those are the days, right? And it says general admissions. I remember you lined up like who in Cincinnati. You line up and run in and hope for the best, right? I hope you're not crushed. On behalf of all self-professed Van Halen geeks, I have two pretty deep questions. On Atomic Punk during Eddie's solo, there's uh, something that we used to refer to, my buddies and I, as the electronic fart. It just goes kind of right in the middle of Eddie's solo. Wondering if you recall that and what the story is with that. And also that 15 or so second uh, little thing at the end of, uh, in a simple rhyme at the end of uh, Women and Children First. What was that? A 
Cody, your phone's real bad and staticky, yeah, so I think we understood it. So yeah. I, well, I think we got the general idea of what you're trying to say. But now, are you, you talk, want... are you talking about an electronic fart the bass made in Atomic Punk? <laughs> I don't know. He's gone now because his phone was terrible. It oh, was yeah, up. that was that was busting up. I, I wasn't aware of anything like that. What did you want to know in Simple Rhyme? In the Simple Rhyme, I, you're saying something at the end? Yeah, he says, I, yeah, I'm not sure. In the Simple Rhyme, it's one of my all-time favorite songs, actually. That's but, one of my favorite with for the background vocals and oh, everything because yeah, yeah, yeah. we kind of, you know... I love women and children first. I, I think that that, I mean, you, there's there's those great records for me as a kid. There's records that were that impacted me so much that I like remember when I got them. Like mm-hmm. I remember the circumstances of the day. Like I can't remember my mom's birthday right now, and I can remember <laughs> exactly like for for real when I got women and children first. My mom took me to the dentist. I was like fourteen. Eddie, I was impressed with you. From the time on that metal show, when you were able to name every Van Halen record from the first one <laughs> all the way through, you remember that yeah. stump the trunk, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you got that, and I was like, "Oh my god, that was even quicker than I would have gotten it." Yeah, but <laughs> I'm but, but that's all I know. Like I'm terrible on everything else. Like I don't know. I'm still that guy to this day. Like my aunt will call me and say, "Remember, it's your mom's birthday tomorrow." Like I'm, I'm that guy. I'm seriously, it's I'm that bad with dates. But yeah, if you want me to go, too bad the your catalog. mom should have been in a band. That you would have. <laughs> If she made some records, right? It'd be all good. Oh man, yeah, but yeah, I don't. I'm not sure where Cody was going with all this stuff. But yeah. you, you mentioned earlier that there were some mistakes that you guys left in. If you listen closely, yeah, to especially some of the Atomic records. Punk, you know, being off the first off the first record. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, but that's what makes we, them we left them in. You know, yeah, there's four humans playing the music, not you know, no machines I, or anything. That, that's awesome, Vince in St. Louis. Go ahead, Vince. Hey, shout-out to Mike uh, from everybody in St. Louis. I just wanted to reiterate a couple callers ago about uh, Mike being a a real solid guy. And I got a real quick story. Um, I'm a policeman in St. Louis, and a lot of times we have to work some of the venues where different concerts are going on. And, Mike, I don't know if you remember uh, you opening up for Sammy's 60th uh, birthday parties at the Fox Theater. Oh, yeah. Well, Mike opened up the shows, and I happened to be alongside stage. So Mike sets over. Sam comes out. Mike comes to the side of the stage in a pair of flip-flops and shorts, sweating like a pig. He's got a big cup with him. I just kind of look at him, and we make eye contact. He says, how you doing? And we exchange hellos. And uh, I kind of said, what do, you, what do you got in the cup? And at that time, Sammy had this whole cantina set up on stage. So Mike looks at me and just kind of whispers, it's jungle juice. And I said, jungle juice? And he said, yeah, you want some? And I said, uh, well, I might get in trouble if uh, they see me. And he goes, don't worry, I got you covered, brother. So right in the middle of the set, he walks on stage, comes back with this monster paper cup with no markings on it. And there's my 15 minutes of fame of Mike getting me jungle juice while I'm working. Oh, boy. You're the- I didn't get you fired, did I? No, no, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Michael was sweating again. He was worried he was going to tell yeah, I got I was, fired yeah, ever since then. I was, I was worried about where that was going to go. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you guys in St. Louis soon. We'll see you guys in St. Louis soon enough. We always have fun there. Awesome, Obviously, that's, awesome. that's one of the cities that, that took Sammy under their wing, so to speak, oh, yeah. in the early days. And so St. Louis is always a, a great time for us. Yeah, Vince, thank you, and stay safe there on the job. Appreciate Thanks. it. Uh, yeah, I remember – 
Sammy used to tell me all the time because I was a fan from way back and I, living in New Jersey my whole life as a solo act before Van Halen, Sammy would rarely come to the East Coast, even in anywhere New York, near New York, mm -hmm. New Jersey, because he had a notoriously rough time drawing and getting interested right. fans there. And I would be sitting there in New Jersey and me saying, like, how come Sammy's not playing anywhere near me? And then there'd be an MTV concert from St. Louis and he's headlining an arena. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? He can't get a club date, but in St. Louis he's headlining an arena. And I remember driving out. I, I, the closest one year he came to me was he played in, uh, in Philadelphia at the Spectrum. And I remember driving uh, at the time his manager, who I, who I believe went on to manage Van Halen, Ed, Ed Leffler, Leffler, who had yes. passed away, but uh, who's since passed away. But Ed knew even then I was doing radio all those years ago, and he knew that I was one of the few kind of beacons for Sammy's career on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. So he called me up. He said, the closest we're getting is Philly, but if you want to come. And I, I drove out there, and it, it was great. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was always kind of weird. how Sam And Sammy will still tell you this day there's certain parts on the East Coast where his draw is still way rougher than it is yeah. in other parts of the country. Yeah. I don't know why. You know, that, that was always the case, but... He seems to just endure like, just fine. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he's got <laughs> no problem. He's doing just fine. We have time for a few more phone calls. We'll get in as many as we can here before we need to wrap things up. Uh, let's talk to Dan, who's also in St. Louis. Hi, Dan. Eddie, Michael, thanks for the uh, being able to do this, Eddie. This is awesome being able to talk to Michael Anthony. Well, thank Michael. He was nice enough to to deal with my pestering to get him to come yeah, and do the show. And, so. and, and, and thank you, because if it wasn't for all you people, I wouldn't even be here sitting talking to Eddie. <laughs> what do you got, Dan? Michael, got to ask you a question, because we all know your contributions to Van Halen, backup vocals being awesome. Just your charisma, I think, in that band with the vocals and the way you handled the bass. Just made the band the way they were because, you know, you had the two crazy brothers and the crazy lead singer, and you seemed like the, the, the conduit of the, the band itself. So I was wondering, being that you got song credits on all the albums, could you please, because you tend to back off on this when other people actually, you know, Eddie said some stuff about your contributions and how he had to show you how to play, sir. Can you please talk about... Or just elaborate a little, like, what was your attitude when you went in the studio with those guys on the early albums? And, you know, maybe how you had some input on that stuff. I'm a big fan. I got a tattoo of the old Van Halen logo right on my Oh, arm. boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Eddie, Eddie was the kind of guy. Eddie. Go ahead, Dan. Dan we got, we're short on time, so Eddie, we'll let, Eddie, we'll let Eddie, Michael Eddie would come up. Eddie comes up with, with, like, a zillion licks, a zillion ideas for songs, and we would take them and... and and jam them, and everybody throw their two cents in, and that was the early Van Halen. I mean, that was great doing songs like that because everybody would just kind of put their put their stuff in. And uh, of course, you know, I contribute where I did. I didn't. I wasn't one of the guys that really came with it with with the, the ideas for songs, or whatever. But uh, we you know we took them and uh, and worked on them as a band in the studio. Thank you for the call. Let's talk to John, who's here in California. Hi, John. What's going on? You're on with Michael Anthony. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good, John. What's happening? Not much. You guys were talking about when Sammy joined, and he was like, you know, in certain parts of the country, like your first show was Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana, where he's like, Sammy who? There was a show in San Diego, and there's a Van Halen special unleashed on MTV where Sammy takes a shirt up on stage and holds it up, and it says, No Dave, Tour 86. Do you, do you guys remember, or does that ring a bell at all? 
Yeah, Sammy would have somebody uh, with that shirt at every show and toss it to him on stage so he could hold it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a prop. <laughs> uh, you know what? There were so many things like that that got, I mean, I, everything from F you, Sammy, to who's Dave or whatever. You know, it was like back and forth and... Sometimes, there were a I, lot of banners back in those days. I remember there were people don't hold those kind of banners no. up anymore. You and know? Sammy, I remember used to always run around on stage with them, whatever they said, and hold them up. But I, I said that too back when I first started going to shows back in the in the in the late seventies as a as a little kid. People used to always drape banners up. Did they do that at old Van Halen shows? Oh or? my God, would would have would have more bras hanging off our microphone stands? <laughs> oh my God, you know. And uh, and Sammy, he 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 puts literally puts on every piece of clothing that somebody would throw up on stage, whether it fit him or not. Know. You know, a couple times it's like, no, 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 Sam, no, no, don't put that on, don't put that on. It's too small. <laughs> I know, I remember that. Uh, but but yeah, uh, no, I'm sure I'm sure there was so much stuff going on that you don't exactly remember uh, exactly what was thrown. Yeah, up there. yeah, and. You know, and everybody was, like I said, was nervous. Sammy was nervous. So we we just got up there and did our thing. Mark in Nebraska. Go ahead, Mark. You're on with Michael Anthony. Mark, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Michael. Big fan of everything you do. But please try to get Chicken Foot back together. Uh, real quick, can you uh, touch on, is there any validity to the fact that Patty Smythe turned down the spot in Van Halen uh, after David left before Sammy took it? There, there was a, a very short time where Eddie was a little bit infatuated by Patty Smythe and her vocals and whatever. And I think he actually went out and jammed with her, with uh, with her a few times on stage. But uh, it's like we're all thinking, how can you have a girl singing songs about banging girls? <laughs> well, you know, today maybe some girls. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, maybe today you can't. Today, you know, it's... it was kind of like the way you know a lot of Dave's lyrics or whatever. I don't think really lent itself to someone like Patty Smythe singing. You know, I, I, I was a big Patty Smythe fan too. But uh, great no, singer, but I don't know if yeah, it would have worked. Yeah, I, we were we were kind of looking for you know what we were going to do next. You know, because we obviously weren't going to get anybody to be like a Dave clone. We didn't want to do that. You know, we didn't want to be those kind of guys. So, uh, you know, it was kind of an infatuation that I know Eddie had with Patty Smythe. Let me ask you about a guy that recently, another person with with the association with Van Halen, yeah, that recently put some stuff online, uh, Mitch, Mitch Malloy, Malloy, who I just saw recently. What's your recollection of that experience? I never really got to jam that at all, really, with Mitch in the studio. Ed had some music, and I know, you know, he went and visited Ed at, at, at one point. And so I was kind of like, I don't even think that really got to the point to where the whole band, you know, everybody. It was more of him, him and Eddie sort of trying some stuff out. It was more of like him and Eddie out. trying it out and seeing what would work. And for whatever reason, it didn't. Right. But and I don't really know Mitch. I think I I think I met him. I can't I can't even remember. But from what I I. I read or whatever. He seems like a real nice guy. Yeah, he's a great singer. He's, he's a good singer. And, yeah, and, and he still. I mean, I've known Mitch a long time. I just saw him recently, and he he still looks the same too. It's his hair still long, or has he cut it? No, it's still long. He looks. He still looks like he's twenty five years old. It's uh, I hate those kind of guys. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just totally wrong. Um, <laughs> it really is. Uh, James and Miss. A few more calls before we have to end. James in Mississippi. Go ahead, James. Hey, hey, uh, um, I'm sorry, Mr. Anthony Burris stupid question but i'm not a musician that's okay i'll give and, you a stupid uh, answer <laughs> okay uh i'm trying to come up with a question that you don't get asked every day by my fans uh on the inside cover of the for unlawful carnal knowledge album there's a bunch of pictures of y'all just hanging out in the studio and stuff and i always heard that um on the first pressings of the record uh on the chalkboard in the background was somebody in the band's phone number and that you guys had to re 
reissue it without that phone number. Yeah, I forget whose phone it. number it was because it, Eddie, you know, when 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 somebody would come by or or just so that we knew, you know, contact information readily in the studio, it was in kind of in our control room behind the studio. There was a chalkboard, and if you know, I was like, "Oh, Mike, oh, I can reach you at this number," you know, and it would be up there. And yeah, there, I, I don't know whose number it was, but somebody's cell number, or, really, or, or home phone number, something like that, was on the chalkboard. Wow! And I, and I, I can't. I remember it happening. I can't remember who made the observation, but yeah, we had to. We changed it. So, and all of a sudden, they start getting calls, and you realize, oh shit, that's yeah, on the record. Yeah, it's like somebody singing, singing a phone number, random right. phone number. And all of a sudden, you get this guy who people are hanging out at their house. <laughs> well, listen, man, I'm up against the end of the show here. I can't thank you enough. It's always great to see you. Eddie, it's my pleasure. Like I like I said, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to you, I'm like, 15 minutes, I ain't got nothing to talk about, Eddie. And then <laughs> next thing you know, two hours and we're, we're still going. Anyway, it is a pleasure, man. Well, there you go. Huge thanks to Michael Anthony. It is no small feat to drive from where he lives in Orange County to the Los Angeles area, especially when my radio show is on live uh, Pacific time, 11 a.m., with traffic out there, which is just mind-blowing, and uh, Michael was nice enough to do it. Be sure to check out his hot sauce. Be sure to donate, if you can, to his charity for the uh, the walk that he's doing there, and let's all keep our fingers crossed that maybe, somehow, some way. We will get this Van Halen mega show so many people fantasize about. As usual, connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the official website, blog, appearances all on the homepage. Rocklahoma now next weekend. I'll be spending a lot of time in Tulsa. And also, you can email me through the site, music news updated daily on the site. And as I mentioned, all my appearances, Rocklahoma is up next. Honored to host that year number 11. I've done it every year. Look forward to seeing all the good people out there in Pryor and the Tulsa area, where I'll also be spending some extra time because then that following Friday, I'm hosting a show at the Ideal Ballroom in Tulsa with Tom Kiefer. So good stuff. See you guys out that way. Of course, another Eddie Trunk podcast is new next Thursday. We post new every Thursday, podcastone.com and iTunes. And my thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week for another all-new episode. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. One million. 
So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. So figure out what your next read is going to be. Download Fully Booked right now on the Podcast One app at Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.